Welcome to The Lab. What's going on, all you brainiacs out there, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Fantasy Football Laboratory. I am your host, the King of Trade, Shane Palma, joined as always by Spitfire Lucas Parrish. What's going on, guys? And the chemist, Jack McGrath. Shane, how are we doing today? The people out there can't see, but I'm currently wearing a Knicks hat that says, We Here. We are here right now recording this episode. The Knicks, however, are no longer in the playoffs. That's why I missed our last episode, unfortunately. Uh, it was a good game, though. It was fun. The atmosphere of Madison Square Garden is unlike anything else. Uh, the, to hear that almost full-capacity crowd. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad the Knicks gave me at least two quarters. They couldn't give me four quarters. They gave me the first half. I'll take that uh, with the, the electricity of Madison Square Garden. But unfortunately, Knicks are out, so I won't have to miss another one of these podcasts again. Uh, Shane, I'm I'm really sorry for you, but I'm going to be honest. I am so excited to see Trey in the playoffs. They just absolutely clapped the Sixers today. Woo! I wish I could have watched it, but it was fun to just pay attention, just keep keep uh, keep updated on the ESPN app. Trey Young's getting fun. He he's, he's yeah. been a fun player this entire playoffs and I this entire had, season. This entire season, I didn't think he had the killer instinct in him, but now we're seeing it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, look at this Trey, guy. Trey Young is a villain. He is a villain, at least in New York now. Oh, yeah. 100%. When he comes to New York, that bow, that bow, that bow was was like the nail in the coffin. That was like a massive middle finger to all of New York. It was like a curtain call at a Broadway show. Well, and that's why he did it. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. That hurt. That hurt to see that. Uh, But listen, we have a jam-packed show here today because this is going to be an episode uh, that if you're new to fantasy football, this is what you're going to want to listen to. We have the top unwritten rules, tips, strategies, everything that you're going to need going into the draft season, going into the actual fantasy season to help you win a championship based on experiences that all three of us have had in our careers in fantasy football. Things that we've learned, things that we wish we've done differently, uh, things that we are going to preach and follow going forward so that not only you guys can win championships, but hey, we want to win some championships still too. So these guys have no idea what I've come up with, and I'm just going to start right off the bat here at the number. It's not number one. This is in no particular order. Maybe we can rank them afterwards, create like a 10 commandments type style thing of things that you should follow when it comes to fantasy football. But the first thing that came to mind when thinking about fantasy football, maybe do's and don'ts is that drafting a quarterback in round one, two, and three is an absolute sin. That's number one. That's number one. Don't draft a quarterback before the fifth round. No, it, it is especially especially since I've seen so many times. I, I'll this is a story from past experience. I was in a big money league, big money league, two hundred dollars a person last year, and all friends uh, from my dad's work. So they they uh, in terms of their skill, you know, it was your common league, your home league, which is what a lot of people out there playing. You know, friends, family, whatever. And this one person drafted Patrick Mahomes in the second round. And then in the third round took Lamar Jackson, which made no sense. Uh, And I think the biggest thing here is that it was a one QB start league. So they had Lamar Jackson riding on their bench the entire season playing behind Patrick Mahomes made no sense. Obviously they came in 11th place that year because their strategy did not work out if you if you are in a 200 dollar league and you draft two quarterbacks in the second and third round in in a one qb start league 
Oh boy, you just not wasted two hundred dollars. Not only did they make the mistake of a drafting Patrick Mahomes in the second round, when I know people talk about his points per game, I think it was twenty five point six or something like that, and you compare it to the other players in that range, and you know it towers above a guy like Joe Mixon going in the second round. But then you compare, we can say maybe Ryan Tannehill or Matthew Stafford's points per game. And it's not too far off of Patrick Mahomes. And you're going to get that in the ninth and 10th round. When you look at the running backs that go in the ninth and 10th round, and it's nowhere near the projected points per game that Joe Mixon was having in the second round. So to me, I would never, I think the highest I ever drafted a quarterback was last year. I took Dak Prescott at the end of the fourth round. That's the highest I ever took a quarterback, but that's because I was so high on Dak and it was working out the first few games of the season to see what he was doing, the historic pace that he was going on. Obviously, the injury cost it all. But going into this season, I mean, I got names like Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford are the key guys that I'm locking in on that I can get after the eighth round. And I'm going to do that every single time and scoop up the value. Listen, don't worry about if you took three running backs in the first four rounds. Fine. You have all that running back value. And if you really need to trade that capital later on in a desperation move for another team, you can get a, a, a legitimate starting quarterback and probably another piece back. Yeah, the difference between quarterback one and quarterback 12 is like five, six points per game. And that's fine. You can take that. The difference between running back one and running back 12 is much, much greater. It's like seven or eight or nine points per game on a given year. So you have to take the running backs and the wide receivers early. You cannot waste one of those top three picks on a quarterback. And you have to remember that you start at minimum two running backs as opposed to you start one quarterback at minimum. So you will always have more quarterbacks on the waiver wire who are startable than running backs. Speaking about that one quarterback thing, I don't know if this is going to be on there, Shane, but read the rules before your draft, please. Check how many players you play. Look at what positions you play. I had a league where we didn't start a tight end and people were drafting tight ends. And I'm like, Guys, you don't have to you don't have to draft tight ends. They're usually not as good as receivers. So make sure you know if you have to start one quarterback or two quarterbacks, because if you start two quarterbacks, it's a completely different conversation when we're talking about drafting quarterbacks early. You sound right. like my fourth grade teacher. I uh, elementary Lucas had a, had a, a knack for not reading directions. So there you go. Listen, I didn't have that on my list. I'm glad you brought that up. Looking at the settings is key all the time. And we can go to this one now because always, always know whether or not you're drafting in standard half or full PPR. The amount of times I've seen people make the mistake of taking a, a Duke Johnson in round six years ago, thinking that it was PPR only to find out it was standard. They regretted that one miserably. Now I'm sure Duke Johnson didn't probably do too much in PR, PPR that season anyway, but still always know the settings of your draft, know the positions and know the settings because the difference of PPR and standard that's that's huge in some people's rankings, especially when it comes to the running back position and the value that those guys that catch the ball, unlike Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, hold over other ones. Like, yeah, like Aaron Jones is not my RB4 in standard. And Derek and Christian McCaffrey is probably not my RB1 in standard. You know, it's it's things like that. Yeah, uh, and breaking that down even farther, when Shane says PPR, he means point per reception. You don't right. want to draft players who typically have high amounts of receptions but low amounts of yardage and touchdowns in leagues that are so-called standard. Something interesting I should point out, Shane, make sure you go specifically to the league settings. Don't just look at standard or PPR because ESPN actually changed their wording recently, and standard scoring in ESPN now is PPR, and then oh. non-PPR is the non-standard scoring. So there's <laughs> going to be a whole lot of confusion going into next year. 
look specifically at your league settings and see, does this say point per reception? If it does, then your draft strategy and make sure your draft boards align with point per reception uh, numbers and rankings and things like that. That's really sneaky. And now something that I have to look out for in case I'm in a league with someone that doesn't realize that and maybe changes it to the other setting. That That's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up, Jack. That's definitely a good point to uh, look at. All right, let's move on here. Let's talk about another one that we can spend some time on. Again, this is in no particular order, but I have down that you should always handcuff your elite running backs that you draft in round one or two. You don't always have to take the backup maybe for round two, but round one, I mean, we saw it last year. It was so crucial and critical. When you went into the season, you probably didn't think that Mike Davis was going to hold any value because Christian McCaffrey is a god. He's the savior. He's going to win me the fantasy championship, number one overall pick. No need to worry. Well, there was a reason to worry because he got injured very early on in the season. But lo and behold, Mike Davis ended up being pretty serviceable for your fantasy team if you happen to get him. Now, uh, Jack unfortunately, as a Christian McCaffrey owner, did not draft Mike Davis, did not have Mike Davis in our league for, I don't think, did you ever end up getting him? I did. He got dropped later, right? When Christian, Christian McCaffrey came back for one week later in the year, and then our owner in our league dropped Mike Davis. So I wound up snagging him off the waiver wire because then I'm like, oh, I need to have him. But you're exactly right. Without Mike Davis, I didn't have another running back. I didn't have a backup running back that was close to Christian McCaffrey's level. I was building my team around Christian McCaffrey. If you have the if you can have the opportunity to get the backup running back in a similar situation to your starting running back who is a superstar and is a superstar a lot which is primarily because they are in a very, very beneficial uh, situation for fantasy purposes, then you have to go out and you have to try to get those backups as well. I mean, you also have to think about your competition, right? Like you and I are competition. All three of us are competition in a lot of our leagues. I don't want one of you guys grabbing the backup if my main guy goes down, because not only am I down a man, but you're up a man. And now not only am I at a disadvantage, but you're at an even higher advantage. So it, it it's all strategy when it comes to that. And the last thing you want to do is give your opponents the upper hand on your own team, especially if it's your player that goes down and you have the opportunity that you had in the draft to grab their backup and you passed up on it for a kicker or a defense. No, you're exactly right. I mean, just looking at our league last year, I think you beat me out in the playoff race by a game, Shane. If I had Mike Davis, I probably win two or three extra games at the start of the season. And I would have made the playoffs. I would have been comfortably in the playoffs, but I made the mistake of not drafting him in our draft and he left into the waiver wire. And I didn't have the waiver priority when Christian McCaffrey got hurt and it messed me up. And I had Mike Davis. I was the one with Mike Davis. So that was the swing right there between the playoffs. Me and you, one player, and it happened to be the backup of your first-round pick. Always important to grab those. Yep, especially – I mean, uh, and and it definitely gets less important as you get through the first round. So I I just had a a draft 10-team PPR, or I guess now according to ESPN standard, points per reception, um, where I I had the 10th overall pick, and I took Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb back-to-back. You know, and so first off, great way to start the trap, but I don't necessarily need to handcuff those guys because of where I'm picking them. But if you grab like Derrick Henry, when the top three picks, you're going to want to grab who's his back? Darrington Evans. Is that his backup? It was last year. I'm not sure if they drafted anyone, brought in anyone different, but we can go with that for now if you want to look that up. But here's the thing when it comes to a guy like Nick Chubb, right? Are you really going to draft Kareem Hunt then in the fifth round? if you draft Nick Chubb, because there's certain circumstances where you you really can't because your first two running backs could be the Cleveland Browns backfield, which is not something that you want to do. So 
I mean, I guess in some circumstances you can't handcuff your elite running backs if it's a Nick Chubb. Uh, but I think most most situations, like an Aaron Jones, you can grab A.J. Dillon, Dalvin Cook, you can grab an Alexander Madison. Uh, who is Chuba Hubbard, the backup now, sole backup to Christian McCaffrey in that offense? I believe so. That's definitely one to grab. I was also going to mention right now, uh, yeah. Marlon Mack for Jonathan Taylor. I think you probably want to have Marlon Mack owned right. if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner as well. I mean, you can probably list the amount of running backs that you should have as handcuffs on. Uh, I mean, you can probably count that on two hands. Um, the amount of running backs that you actually need handcuffs for. But as you were saying, through the first round, there's quite a few of them. Zeke and Tony Pollard, yep. I think, is a key one. And there was another one. I just had it off the Saquon top. Saquon Barkley and uh, who's the backup now? Oh, oh, oh uh, stop. Don't. I got it. I got it. Okay, they, you got they it. Brought in, they brought in, uh, they, oh, uh, Devontae Booker. Boom. They said yes. That, they yes. said to threaten Saquon's workload. And, and uh, we could talk about Saquon. I don't know if you guys talked about Saquon Barkley. Could be on a a little bit of a limit going into the season, uh, but that's going to be something that we talk about on a different episode. But yes, that that's the one I was thinking of right there. So yeah, those guys, especially Chuba Hubbard, I think that's going to be a key one, especially if you aren't a Christian McCaffrey owner, you just have him uh, queued up in your little watch list after the draft. If no one picked him up, because not saying that Christian McCaffrey's injury prone, but with the injuries that he suffered last year, definitely going to be something to look out for if no one ends up picking him up. And something that I mentioned earlier when we were talking about what you need and what you don't need while drafting, this is one that definitely came to mind as soon as I was making up this list. Don't waste significant draft capital on defenses or kickers. Now, some of the mock drafts that we do in Yahoo and ESPN, they're kind of skewed in ways that benefit us. And I'll say that because you look at the Washington football defense, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, two of the best defenses in the league. When people are auto-drafting, uh, and there's like five people left and the seven others just have their teams on auto draft in these mock drafts. They end up taking kickers and defenses early. Young way goes off the board early, like in the eighth round. So that's why it looks like we're getting so much value in some of these picks that we're getting. Well, some of these guys will probably get scooped up a little bit earlier, maybe a round or two earlier than we're seeing. But you don't need to draft a defense or a kicker. It's not something, to be honest, that I ever do. I always, especially if you're drafting in early August, mid August, before the season starts, my thing that I always do is maybe I'll grab the Chuba Hubbard if the Christian McCaffrey owner didn't take him and just keep him on my bench until the season starts and then figure out what to do. Or I'll hold a wide receiver that I think could potentially break out in the preseason and just keep him on my bench just because I don't need a kicker or a defense right away. Those are guys that you can stream. Jack, I know I'm going to let you talk here for a second because you have that kicker strategy that I like that you do every single week. Yeah, so basically what I do with my kickers is uh, is uh, is basically hold an extra player and I'll drop my kicker. So I because I don't always need to have an extra kicker on my roster. Kickers are one of the least valuable players in fantasy football in terms of their difference from the best kicker to the worst kicker in terms of points per game. Now last year, if you have a guy like uh, Koo who kicked for the Falcons and was insane, or he Jason won me a couple games. But I'll say this: Youngway Koo was not drafted anywhere near the top last year. No, exactly. So what I do is I will because I know there's a chance that there's a guy that goes down with injury or something like that. Let's say Chuba Hubbard is on the waiver wire. So I'll drop my kicker on th- because the waiver wire process is on Tuesday or Wednesday, and I'll pick up Chuba Hubbard. I'll hold Chuba Hubbard on my roster until Sunday. If Christian McCaffrey gets hurt in practice, I have Chuba Hubbard on my roster already, 
And if I don't need him, I drop him and I pick up a kicker on Sunday. I just will not hold the kicker during the week until Sunday. And then I'll pick up a kicker on Sunday, play him on Sunday, and then go through the same process again and again. You don't need to hold a kicker on your roster. They're, they're not that valuable. Now, where that is risky is if you're prone to forgetting about yeah. that, because <laughs> then you'll be without a kicker. So if you are someone who is a low maintenance fantasy player, don't want to like pay that much attention to it. You know, you set your lineup once a week. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, then it's, it's okay to, to draft a kicker or pick one up early. Um, but absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a valid strategy if, if that's the route you want to go. Like us, uh, Lucas, when Jack, for some reason, just decided to yes. wait as long as possible to pick up a kicker. And we started telling everyone in our league, pick up any kickers left. And I think it was Sunday night football. And maybe it was Dylan Carlson. I forget who exactly it was that you ended up picking up. Maybe Jaco- uh, uh, Jason Myers for the Seahawks. You got one of those guys last minute in for the Monday night football game. Yep. Otherwise, we're totally screwed out of having a kicker for that week. So don't play it down to the wire that much. Sometimes it's a little bit unnecessary. Because especially if you're doing well in your league and, you know, the people in the league are pretty close, they'll probably, you know, if you wait that long, try and scoop up all remaining kickers because they want you to. I also want to say um, I looked up the Titans backup running back. Darrington Evans is still listed as their backup on ESPN steps chart. A couple guys. I, I don't know how solid that's set in stone. The guys behind that are daring or not Darrington Evans, uh, Jeremy McNichols and Brian Hill is now on the Titans. So, but I think here, the problem with Derrick Henry is I'm not like super confident who that backup would actually be right. Or what that situation would look like. I doubt that we would have anybody with any significant workload, though, in that backfield. So if you draft Derrick Henry in the first round, you might consider grabbing a, like a, 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 a handcuff to another top running back um, to use as either trade bait or, you know, if they go down or something. Because I just I don't know how much I would trust those guys. And just a quick little tip or uh, tidbit that I like to do on Sundays, like Jack was saying about his kickers. And this is different for everyone's league. I think in some of your guys' league, this isn't possible. But in my Yahoo leagues that I've been in, I usually carry, for the most part, a dead roster spot, which means that every week I'll rotate players out of that one spot because you're not going to start everyone. Let's be honest. You're not going to start everyone on your fantasy bench at any given point during the season. Like there are going to be times where you just have a guy that'll sit on your bench for three weeks and then you just end up cutting him because maybe you need something else. Maybe someone gets injured. So I usually have a dead roster spot where from the one o'clock games all the way through Monday night, I will pick up a backup running back to whoever is in a afternoon game and then the night game. So I'll say it like this. Let's say the Packers are playing at an afternoon game. If I have a a wide receiver, like let's just say Brian Edwards on my bench that I don't want anymore, I'll drop him for A.J. Dillon if he was somewhat available. And then after the game finishes, Aaron Jones, fully healthy, makes it through the game. I'll drop A.J. Dillon for uh, for one of the back Darrington Evans for Sunday night football for the Titans. And then if Derrick Henry plays the full game and doesn't get hurt and Monday night rolls around, then I'll pick up a uh, Trey sermon who definitely won't be available. And someone that we're going to talk about another time for the 49ers. If Raheem Mostert went down, something like that, always keep a rotating spot. That's what I like to do. Keep a rotating spot and just monitor those injuries because you never know. I mean, you don't, that, you don't wish injuries on anyone. You don't, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's injuries, but that's a great strategy. But, you know, it's one of those things where if you have it to where you can't drop a player after you pick them up, it's not going to work. And most leagues that I plan has that rule that or if a player's game was at one o'clock and already started, then you can't drop them off your bench until the waivers go through the next week. That's what I've seen a lot of, too. Yep. All right. Next rule here. Number five. This one's pretty big for me. 
don't start players on Thursday night football. No, that's that's totally. If you know me, that's that's a, a little bit of an inside joke. I, I sometimes take Thursday night football too seriously just because I want to have a player to watch and I'll start a third string running back in my in my flex just because. But the big thing with Thursday night football is do not play any Thursday night starters in your flex spot. Because, and I'll put it like this, let's say the Bengals are playing the 49ers on Thursday night football, and you have Joe Mixon at running back and you play him at flex. Now it just so happens that another one of your running backs or someone on your roster got injured. And now you can't play one of your starter wide receivers that was currently on the bench because you put Joe Mixon in at your flex. And now you're kind of handicapped and you have to pick up a fodder waiver wire wide receiver because you can't play Tyler Lockett. Uh, because you started Joe Mixon and kind of held yourself back there in your flex. So that's definitely a big thing I've learned is don't start any Thursday night players in your flex spot. Yeah. The thing about the flex is you can play any position in your flex, except for quarterback usually. So you can play a running back, you can play a wide receiver, you could play a tight end and how most leagues are set up. So if in your flex position, you play a guy who is, is already played and you can't move him from position to position, then it just limits your, amount of flexibility within your lineup. So you want to have that flexibility. You like to have it there because typically uh, if you're not going to have three solid running backs on your roster, maybe you will, maybe you're a really good team. You're not going to have four solid running backs on your roster typically. So then you're struggling to put in a backup if a running back goes down or if a wide receiver goes down. So give yourself that extra flexibility and don't necessarily play a player on Thursday night in your flex. I have nothing to add. That is beautiful. And honestly, something I've given a little bit of thought to as the season goes on, but not something that would have crossed my mind. So thank you, Shane. Yeah, of course. Always, always here to help. Uh, and here's except, another- except uh, with your own team on oh, Thursday yeah. night. Don't, football. don't listen to me on Thursday nights. Uh, that should be another <laughs> Don't listen to Shane when it comes to Thursday night football, the me and Thursday night feud all the time. It's the biggest rivalry in all sports. Shane. It's, it's absolutely. It's our favorite rivalry. Um, Keish, oh. Except for, you know, us against Antonio Brown or Jack's, us against Jack's takes on Antonio Brown, though that has gotten a lot milder. But absolutely, you starting Keyshawn Vaughn and him getting negative 0.2 points on Thursday night. So you would have been better starting nobody is, is I think, the, the best the best thing that came out of last season. I'm just saying, if I went in with a solid running back core and a solid tight end next year with a receiving core of Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, I'm feeling pretty good. We're not talking about that, right? We're talking about you, right? I'm talking about how I started John Ross in a game last year just because I wanted to start someone on the Bengals. Like, how dare me? How dare me do? How dare you? Anyone let me do that? Like, how does anyone? I for the record, for the record, Jack and I did do often try and talk you out of it. Like, like very often. Actually, I I will go on the record. You both said don't do that. Yeah, remember, and you both said don't start. Just for my own good, I could have been facing one of you two, and you both probably still would have said, Shane, please don't start Keyshawn Vaughn this week. And you know what? I still would have. Well, I, here's what I would have said. I would have said, look, if you really want to start Keyshawn Vaughn, like that benefits me, but I will tell you it's a bad idea right now. Like that's what I would have said. And when it comes to me starting players in Thursday night football, I think this is more of a not common sense, but not something so much as strategy or involved with the game. But there's no crying in fantasy football. We know there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in fantasy football. Hear that, Lucas? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just here holding my championship trophy. Uh, listen, don't let depression 
from a loss linger into your daily life. It's something that should go without being said, but just something that I've, I've seen and I've experienced. And fantasy football is a game, but sometimes we take it very seriously. And, you know, we let that creep into our, our own lives. And sometimes we let it affect us. But we just have to know, again, it is a game. We have no control over the output of whoever is going to score three touchdowns that night, nor do we know who's going to put up a zero spot. So don't beat yourself up if you make the wrong decision. If you put the wrong guy in your flex spot, just let it move on, let it go, and just know that you have a full season to work with. And if you end up going 0-16 or 0-14, then maybe it's time to pick up a new hobby. Or just, just listen to us more. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully you don't subject yourself to t- every single time you lose a fantasy game, then going on the Sunday night and having to talk with for 45 minutes with the two biggest smack talkers in, in your yeah, league yeah, yeah, every, look, sing- every single time you lose. Look, human beings are competitive, you know, and, and that's a natural thing. When it comes to us, it is a little bit of our daily lives since, yeah, you're absolutely right, Jack. And don't even sit there and act like you're not just as bad whenever you catch a win over one of us. Like, it is just as bad with you. And that's, you know, part of it. And and for us, it, it feels a little bit more real because of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's a fun game and, and we love playing it. Oh, also, please don't heckle the players on social media. Oh, that's yeah. just that's, that's just mean. I, I mean, it's it's like this is why like NFL players hate fantasy football because people take it too seriously. Just, you know, it's a game. Have fun. And you know what? If it doesn't go according to plan, you always have next season. The only exception is if Kenyon Drake promises yes. you a fantasy championship and then pulls the shiz that he did last season, then, <laughs> then you can say something because that stuck with me too last year. If, if yeah, if, if they do make some kind of comment about how good they're going to be in fantasy football and then are bad, a very small amount of heckling is okay in good nature. Nothing mean, don't, no, don't cuss at them or, or do anything like that. But, but a very small amount of public heckling like, hey, you said this. Where's that at? You know, but don't be don't be a jerk. I think one time a few years ago, I was so frustrated when Amari Cooper was on the Raiders and there would literally be those weeks where he would have two targets, no catches, and then I would bench him and then he would have eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. And then I would start in the next week and he'd have three targets, one catch, 12 yards. And I think the only thing I've ever tweeted to a player was, come on, man at Amari Cooper. Cause I just, I just didn't know what to say. Like, like <laughs> I, I just didn't understand. Like, could it have been Derek Carr's fault? Maybe. Could it have been Amari Cooper having those drop problems early on in his career? Maybe, but I don't know. I was just so fed up with Amari Cooper at that point. I haven't drafted him since I'm going to be honest. I have not drafted Amari Cooper <laughs> since years ago when he was on the Raiders. Uh, but that's just another thing uh, with fantasy football that came to mind. I think here's the biggest, one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing when it comes to fantasy football and this is more on the side of trading that's what it seems like we've gotten to now you'll hear this everywhere everywhere every fantasy analyst expert person in the industry will teach and preach this saying buy low sell high you probably heard it with any sport anywhere what if whether fantasy or real life buy, or how about stocks you ever heard of stocks the stock buy, market buy the dip by the dip, especially when it comes to, to AJ Brown right now in the situation that we're seeing with Julio Jones joining that offense. By the dip, take that extra round off of AJ Brown's ADP and soak that all in. When it comes to trading and fantasy football, and this is kind of its own sector right here, it's always to a this is something that I do. I never start with my best offer. Never. 
I never saw it. It's, it just doesn't make sense because if someone counters your best offer, you're then stuck because where are you going to move from there? Honestly, you're going to, you're not going to move backwards. The only place to go is forwards or to stop the conversation. And at that point, there's no, there's nowhere to go. So I, I don't lowball anyone. I don't disrespect people like Jack does. Uh, but something that I take pride in is that I'll be willing to work at a deal where if I need something, I'll recognize the needs of another team and make sure the trade, at least for the most part, is mutually beneficial. I think that's the best way to not only uh, establish connections and relationships with people in your league to get them to trade with you again, but also just to better your own team in a way that doesn't overly help or overly hurt the rest of the league. Look, trade should be mutually beneficial. It's it's in the name, right? You're giving up something to get something that should help your team. The other side's doing the same thing. That's that's kind of the point. And obviously, you know, there are winners and losers of most trades and you hope you're on the winning side. But at the end of the day, the point of a trade is to help both teams. And even if a trade is proposed to you and you would take it at that, you know, where it's at, counter with something maybe just slightly lower. And if they take that, you know, even better. Um, but like, you know, I, I had a trade recently in a league where it was, I think I was giving up. Uh, well, actually, this was in our league. So the person I traded with um, probably m- might be listening to this. So if you are, uh, I apologize. But it's it's also like not that much. It was like I was giving up a Mon- in a dynasty league. I was giving up a Monroe St. Brown. I was giving up a 2021 second. And he also wanted a 2022 second. And then I would get Chase Edmonds and like uh some some pick i don't remember the pick um and i need i really needed an rb3 desperately my rb3 was Tariq cohen and so i i was i was in a the need of an rb3 and i liked that offer and i took it but i countered with you know a 2021 second and a 2022 third right and and he took that so you know a little bit lower i would have taken the the higher one but you know i I came back with one a little bit lower made it even a little bit better for me um and you know i i think it worked out for both sides pretty well Jack, do you have any actual helpful advice that you can give people uh, looking to make trades out there, especially if they're new to a fantasy football league? Yeah, I maybe think not. That... Maybe not how to get scammed by you. I yeah, don't. Uh, Jack, you guys, Jack, put you guys put this on me. No, 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 no. Every you have time I try to trade. You have the re- reputation in our entire league of lowballing people. Like you do. You're, there are trade offers that you offer that are ridiculous. And I make I make the most trades in our league every single year. Maybe second to that. Shane. Maybe who, second to Shane. But I'm up who there. Who is the king of trades? That's all I'm gonna say. Who who's recognized as the? King I just of I just want to say that your girlfriend nicknamed you that. So. Yeah, but <laughs> it's okay. Chloe me like that. that that's <laughs> I have a crown now. No, you do. I, I Shane, you're my king of trades. No, I've, I do have some stuff, actually. So I think the biggest thing is something you hit on earlier, Shane, is identifying needs of the other people in your league. I think we can throw back. Um, you guys are going to hate this. My Saquon Barkley trade two years ago. So I traded for Saquon Barkley um, when Saquon Barkley was injured. Um, and also when Saquon Barkley had a bye week coming up before the playoffs, I knew the guy needed a running back for that week. So I traded him Marlon Mack plus a couple receivers for Saquon Barkley and like a backup quarterback or something like that. And Jarvis I wound up Landry. having Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Jarvis Landry. I traded him Jarvis Landry too. Wound up getting Saquon Barkley back, had him for the playoffs, won me the championship in the playoffs. He needed to get to the playoffs. I identified that he needed a running back for that week and the week after. I realized Saquon Barkley wasn't going to be playing every single game up until the end of the season. So I knew he needed I knew he needed some guys. I knew I needed a guy for the future. I knew I was heading to the playoffs. Identify so I identified a need and I made a trade with it. I identified the need that I didn't that I didn't have a need. I had 
too many running backs at the moment. And I need a superstar for later. So I went and got the superstar. So basically the biggest thing is identifying needs and say, Hey, I think you need this. This is why I'm offering you this trade. This is why I'm offering you the backup running back for your second starting receiver. It's because you need a backup running back. You don't have a backup running back and you have three startable receivers. So go start that other receiver. You identify why you think they need it. Maybe they agree with you. And if they don't ask them, Hey, what do you need? Do you need a running back? Do you need a backup quarterback? Because I need that receiver on my team. So it's identifying needs and then asking needs are, are two of the biggest things you have to do in terms of fantasy football trading. Yeah. All right. Fine. That was some solid sound advice from Jack, the low baller McGrath. I still hate that trade. I just want to put that out there. Yeah. I, I, I think everyone in the league hated that trade. Maybe because it was too good of a trade. I don't know. I don't know. Time, time. Told the championship ring on my finger did, did tell yeah. that it was, it was a pretty I'm good told. trade. I have I'm one of those too. Jack, that's crazy. Shane. Hey, Shane, where's yours, man? Yeah. Do you have one, Shane? Oh, wait. Do you have two, two second place ones? Two, to, to each of us, Jack? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Hey, Lucas, did you? I'm, I'm curious. I totally don't remember. Did you make the playoffs in the first time, the first when Jack made, when Jack won the championship? I, I did by the skin of my teeth, like six okay. spot. I started off the season six and one and fell off hard. I see. I see. Well, you know what? Uh, I, at least I can say, that I am more consistent than the 2017 version of Amari Cooper. That's all I can say. I mean, low bar, but absolutely. Low bar, but so much room for improvement. Yes. And look, I I mean, no, you're, I mean, it's obvious if you, if you make it to the second, the the championship game two years in a row, you're, you're, you're doing something right. Just not right enough. Something's got to give eventually. I think next year, Next is that your year? Is this your year, Shane? Year three. This- I'm the breakout third year wide receiver. That's when you're oh. going to see it next season. Shane Palma is Calvin Ridley? That's, I love it. I love it. Watch out. Year three. Uh, the last rule, tip, unwritten thing uh, of advice that I have on my list here uh, is a smaller one, but it's just something that I've been keen to noticing, especially when it comes to how certain people set their lineups. And it's do not live by the Yahoo ESPN sleeper, whatever it is, projections. Uh, something, of course, here we go, back to Thursday Night Football, something I did last year. I always make the mistake so you don't have to at home there. Uh, I noticed that the 49ers were dealing with a lot of COVID problems on a Thursday night game against the Packers, and they didn't really have any weapons. I think Kittle was out at that point, and Ayuk was hurt, Debo was hurt, and they didn't really have a true number one option. So I saw, oh man, Trent Taylor has uh, 14.6 projected points on the waiver wire. Let me pick him up. So I picked him up and unfortunately started him in my wide receiver uh, position for him to get, uh, I think it was one catch for six yards or something like that. Again, just another brutal blow to my Thursday night football track record. And and Uh, whoever, who was that other receiver on the 49ers that absolutely went off? 30 plus points for Richie James. Yep who I, I saw quite a few people, 49ers fans, talking about him because Yahoo has those comment sections uh, where you can trash talk or, or talk about players as they're actually in the game or before the game. And uh, all these 49ers fans were like, oh, man, I, I really want uh, – I really think Richie James is going to be the guy to own tonight. He's going to be the one to start. And I was like, well, Richie James has like 6.8 projected points, and that doesn't look too good when it comes to my totals in, in terms of how I'm looking this week. So let me start Trent Taylor who would give me a projected five-point uh, boost over my opponent. And uh, starting Richie James would have won me that week and ultimately would have helped me make the playoffs in that league. Yeah, but, there are uh, moments when when projections are helpful, but it, it, don't live or die by them. 
no, it's definitely key to not do that. Jack, Lucas, what other pieces of advice, tips, strategies do you guys have that I did not cover because I have gone through my entire commandment list of what people should and should not follow? Look, I mean, you you hit a lot of them. I really think the number one for me is is really that first one that we talked about. Don't draft a quarterback before the fifth round. It's it's the biggest thing that I have. And if you're in a league where they go before the, the fifth round, then that's even better. Um, but that's just not something you should do. You know, I Shane, I don't know. I, I think you really did a good job of, of hitting on everything. Um, make sure that you check your lineup at least once a week. Um, you know, it's one of those things that that really, really starts to annoy people. And, and if you know, if if you're at a point where, you know, you're, you're kind of fed up with fantasy football, bored with it, week 10, week, week 11, still do it. Just 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 one time, one time a week. That's all you need. It's not like fantasy basketball, fantasy baseball. I understand I got really fed up with fantasy basketball and stopped setting my lineup this past uh, this past fantasy basketball season. Uh, I will not be playing fantasy basketball again for that very reason. But when it comes to fantasy football, you know, it's once a week. Make sure that you set your lineup. It's it's definitely a lot more fun to play in a league with fully active participants than it is to play in a league with not very active participants. I'm going to throw this out there. You can't spell fantasy football without fan. It's pretty good. We'll add a laugh track in there. But draft, draft the guys that no, you like won't. to see. No, we won't. <laughs> Maybe we'll add some cricket noises instead. But draft, oh. oh, yep, that, that's an idea. Um, but draft the guys that you want to see play, right? If you're a Bears fan and Allen Robinson's there in the second round, don't reach to the first round for Allen Robinson. But if he's there in the second round and he's your guy or maybe the third round and he's your guy, reach up. Go take your Allen Robinson. If you're a Green Bay Packers fan, take Devontae Adams in the first round. Take Aaron Rodgers in the sixth this round. In the fifth round, maybe reach for that quarterback. Not this year. Not, not right now. Not until his future. Not until it's positive that he's going to actually play this season. Maybe not. Maybe do that. Or if you're still a Packers fan and you still like Aaron Rodgers, I should say. But play like a fan. It's fun to watch your team. It's fun to watch your guys. I will never let a rooting interest in fantasy football get over my fandom for my hometown teams. I, I want to root for those guys instead. So, so don't go too over the top with it. It's fantasy football. Have some fun with it. As Shane was saying, it's supposed to be fun and games. So do that and, and pick the guys you want to root for. Yeah. Have you guys seen the, so dude perfect came out with like a fantasy football league, like stereotypes. Have you guys seen that? I have not. That was, that was a while ago. And if you guys haven't watched that, go check that out on, on their page. It's extremely accurate. And one of the ones is the guy who always roots for his players on his fantasy team more than his actual team. Don't be that guy root root for your team. If you've got guys playing against your team, you know, I mean, you can root for those individual players, but at the end of the day, root for your team. Like you want your team to win, even if that means your fantasy football team loses. I will always say if the Chiefs win, I don't care how my fantasy football team does. I will I will enjoy it. You know, I, I love that testament, but unfortunately, it's not something that I can say I've abided by the past few seasons. Being a Jets fan and watching Cam Akers fail this season when I needed him to actually, you know, absolutely demolish them. I think it was week 15 or 16 or something like that. That was a time. I was more upset that the jets won uh, and that cam Akers fumbled the bag. than I really should have been. Well, you were also, you also wanted the number one overall pick at that point. Like you had a different, as a fan, you had a different rooting interest for your team and that's okay. Right. That's, that's a thing as well. Um, but you know, I guess, you know, if it's week like 15 and your team's not making the playoff, sure. Then, then it matters a lot less, but 
absolutely. That's yeah. But just as a general rule, root for your team first. Yeah. I mean, I can't ever say that I started. Oh no, that'd be a total lie. I've definitely started defenses against the jets before. Who am I kidding? Are you kidding? Like it's the Jets. It's the Jets. I started defense. I don't know what I was about to say right there. Of course I started defense against the Jets. Oh, man. Oh, I almost got myself there. Uh, uh, when it comes to other tips and strategies, I mean, just looking overall at what people do when they play the game, you know, we can spend a whole nother episode talking about no running back strategies and trying to go through the draft and, and not taking a running back until like the seventh or eighth round, which I know a lot of people think is very popular. And we'll still go with that, but I still don't see the true value in punting, especially the running back position when you have such an early pick like one, two or three, like there's really no need. Like, you know, would you, you know, we, we talk about the would you rathers all the time. There's so many deep, this wide receiver class, as it's always been, is extremely deep. So don't draft, you know, I'm not saying don't draft wide receiver early. Like you can for sure go, especially if you're in PPR, your, your first two picks can definitely be wide receivers, but I really would not recommend punting running back solely for the purpose of just stacking the wide receiver position. Uh, I will say though, it is, which is very weird. I feel like it is easier to find running backs that will be helpful on the waiver wire than wide receivers. What do you guys think about that? It's just something that I've no, no Jack. I disagree. I, I'm on the complete opposite end. I, really? I mean, you saw my struggles last year trying to find a running back that I could start. I was playing up five points a game out of the running back position when Christian McCaffrey went down. I think you can find a 10 point a game wide receiver any day. Yeah. Of the week. I don't know Look, if I can say the same about the running back. There. When I say that, I mean, uh, week to week start like, you know, injuries. Like it's easier to when, when someone goes down for a wide receiver, I think it's easier versus running back. It's easier to find a replacement for that position uh, more for the running backs so you know they're going to have immediate volume step into that role than wide receivers. You're not totally sure how the offense is going to shape out. You know, if, if Josh Reynolds were to take over as the number two, if Julio went down, like it, rather than a, a Derrick Henry going down in that situation. Sure. Sure. Well, first off, if Derrick Henry goes down, you're probably going to have some kind thing. of like, but I get, you're, you're talking more like Chuba Hubbard there in, yeah. in, in Carolina, which I would uh, expect him to take over uh, the vast majority of those touches. And you're absolutely right, Shane, you know, but I will say I, I'm definitely with, with Jack as well. It's kind of a, a weird, a weird kind of both of you guys, you know, uh, you always, every year, there's at least one running back on the waiver wire. I mean, at some point during the season, there's many running backs because of injuries, but there's always, there's typically one running back on the waiver wire who no one saw coming right? Nick Chubb, whenever Carlos Hyde was traded, you know, a couple of years ago, you also had James Robinson this past year. It happens. It happens, you know, regardless of injuries, but wide receivers a lot deeper. Um, absolutely. All right. I think, I know it might be a little bit early. We're going to cut it off there. And I'm going to be totally honest. My room is sweltering hot. <laughs> I turned off the air conditioners so that everyone would be able to hear me clearly. There'd be no funny noises coming out of the back. And I am sweating profusely right now. So we're going to cut it off right here. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode, took some knowledge away from it, and can use that to better your teams and better your strategies, better your mindset going into fantasy football for next season. Be sure to check out our website, fflaboratory.com. I've updated it with a ton of new stuff. You can now officially enter the lab. You can find sleepers, breakouts, busts, running back handcuffs to target, ADP risers and fallers, everything that you're going to need for the fantasy football season, including rankings and mock drafts that we've done all in one place. That's fflaboratory.com. You can also check out our TikTok and our Twitter at fflaboratory and our YouTube page, Fantasy Football Laboratory. 
Great content coming out over the next few months. Very excited for the start of the fantasy football season. We're a few months away, a few short months away, and then we're going to have football back in our lives. I cannot wait. Going to be amazing. For the chemist, Jack McGrath, Spitfire Lucas Parrish, I'm the king of trade, Shane Palma. Have a great day.